What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. And we are going over the wide receivers now in Dynasty. We've done the quarterbacks, we've done the running backs, we've got wide receivers, tight ends left. And just so you guys know, once I am done going over the wide receivers, going over the tight ends, I am going to... I'm actually probably going to do a Dynasty buys, uh, buy lows and sell highs in between wide receivers and tight ends. And then I'm going to do a live Dynasty draft, and I'm going to see if I can get some... Uh, Put together a, let's say, podcast superstar cast. I'm going to see if I can get Sia. I'm going to see if I can get Nate. I'm going to see if I can get a couple other people. We'll see what we can string together to put together a Dynasty startup mock draft. You'll have my perspective, as always, and then you'll get perspectives from other people as well. You know, always having other people with their input is always uh, helpful. So with that said, we are going to get into the wide receivers today. And very much like the running backs, the wide receivers are very deep, very stacked, and they're they're tough to rank, and there's definitely some flexibility allowed, but I do have a firm stance on some of these rankings. Um, one of them being somebody we will get to in today's podcast. They are in the top 10, but I have them a lot lower than most people have them, and I actually just put a YouTube video out on that person. So just, uh, just stay with me. Check out the YouTube too if you haven't. But before we start with all of that, we are going to go over the playoff predictions. We got four matchups left, eight teams left in the playoffs. That's, you know, eight teams that can make the Super Bowl. And I, I think I have a good beat on who's going to win this week. But, uh, you know, I also don't want to jinx anything. So I'm not sure if I want to say it. But, all right, we'll get into it. Here we go AFC Bills versus Ravens. Ravens are pretty hot right now. But if the Bills get a sizable lead, look, everyone's saying Lamar Jackson dispelled the notion that he cannot come back to win games he was only down by 10 points and he wasn't down at half at halftime it was tied the notion that that is or you know that that idea is completely just proven wrong is silly to me because he was not in the point of the game where that 10 point deficit mattered he wasn't in the fourth quarter losing by 10 you know he wasn't even in the second half losing by 10 he was just losing by 10 in the first quarter, and he made it up before halftime. That's that's not the same type of pressure. It's not the same type of game script at all. So if the Bills are able to put up points early, which, I mean, they've been able to put up points versus everyone, I do think that the Ravens are going to have a tough time coming back. And so I, I bet against the Ravens last week. I took the Titans, and I was wrong. We'll see if I'm wrong again, but I'm going to take the Bills here. I think the Bills are going to beat the Ravens. And then we got Chiefs versus Browns. I do think the Chiefs beat the Browns, but I will say that this game could be a lot closer than a lot of people think because I believe the line opened at 7. That's pretty rich. The Browns have so much momentum behind them. And the Chiefs, you got to think about it. They not only had a bye week, but they basically had two because almost all the starters were sat in week 17. So the starters have not played in two weeks. And not only that, but they're playing the Browns, who have a great run game. And if they decide to control the ball and, you know, keep time of possession at like 35-25 and try and keep Mahomes off the field, he hasn't played in two weeks. And if he's also going to be on the field, 
you know, a limited amount of time, a limited capacity in this game. It might be hard for him and that offense to gain a whole bunch of momentum and, you know, spark things up real quick. And if that's the case, the Browns have a shot. They they really have a shot. And I, honestly, I might be rooting for it. I might be rooting for it because, you know, as a fellow Bucks fan who, since I've been a fan, I've never seen my team make the playoffs until this year. Why, why not let this be the year, man? Let this be the year that the Browns fans are finally redeemed. And the Bucks fans are finally redeemed. Like, the Bills fans are finally redeemed. You know, all of these fans of these fan bases that have been struggling, these organizations that have been struggling for such a long time, have a shot right now. And, um, you know, I'm going to be rooting for the underdog. I'm going to be rooting for the Browns. But I do think the Chiefs win. Then over in the NFC, we've got the Bucks versus the Saints. I'm going to keep that one for last. The Packers versus the Rams. I think the Packers beat the Rams. The Rams are a weird team. They go back and forth. Some days they look great. Some days they don't. I just don't think they have the offensive firepower to keep up with the Packers. It's that simple. Yes, they have a great defense. And yeah, they could give the Packers fits. And honestly, I mean, we're we're in the final eight, right? The final eight teams, everyone is good. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if any of the, I guess I should say, underdogs pull out a win, right? I wouldn't be upset or surprised if any of them pulled out a win because all these guys are good teams so I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams beat the Packers but if I'm putting my money down I'm putting it on the Packers because they have Aaron Rodgers and the Rams have Jared Goff and Jared Goff is also dealing with a thumb injury plus I mean all the Packers have to do is shut down Cam Akers that's basically should be their game plan because their run defense throughout the season has not been great, but towards the end of the season, it's been a lot better. So if they could just shut down Cam Akers, it should be a very easy game for them. So I'm going to take the Packers versus the Rams. And in my game, Bucks saints oh, man. So I took the Bucks last week versus Washington, and it didn't turn out to be a jinx. So I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to take the Bucks here again versus Saints. You might be thinking I'm taking the Bucks just because I'm a Bucks fan. But honestly, if I wasn't a Bucks fan, I think I would still take the Bucks because... The Saints and the Bucks, they always split. Like, it seems like for the past, past four or five years, like, the Bucks and Saints split one and one every season. And they didn't this year. The Saints beat the Bucks both times. The first game was Tom, was the first game of the season. Tom Brady was just in the offense. No offseason like normal. Um, very limited preseason snaps. Everyone's learning each other, feeling each other out. And the Saints won, I think, if I remember correctly, by, like, one touchdown or less. It was a super close game. Then the next time we played, they destroyed us, right? The Saints destroyed, demolished the Buccaneers. It was a super horrible day, horrible week after that. It was very embarrassing, but the thing that was different in that game was how Todd Bowles called the defense. He stopped blitzing Breeze. He was playing zone defense, dropping people back, letting Breeze pick apart the defense and make them look stupid. Um, If he goes back to what he did in week one, when we almost beat the Saints, and the reason we didn't was because our offense is not nearly as hot as it is right now, then we'll be fine. We'll be fine if he just goes back to blitzing Breeze, keep him under pressure. Yes, he's a good quarterback under pressure. He's a good quarterback in every situation. But you don't want to give him time versus zone, right? Like, that's ridiculous. Come on now. So if the Bucks come out, and these guys are getting paid millions. I'm sure the coaches know and realize what they did wrong. So they should come out. And they should be Bliss and Breeze. And if that's the case, Devin White's back. Shaq Barrett, we got him. JPP, hopefully he's playing. He should, but I think he's just sitting out to stay healthy. And, um, you know, Carlton Davis is doing the same thing as JPP. We have pretty much everybody So on the defense coming back. So 
I think that they should just employ that game plan and the Bucks can pull it out because the Bucks offense right now is whew, whew, on fire. If it wasn't for Chris Godwin's drops, Tom Brady's game would have been insane versus Washington. With that said, now we got to get into the receivers and you guys know how I always started off. Make sure we are on the same page. All right, so we're going to go over the metrics I'm using for the receivers and then the other things to consider. Remember, I use player profiler. You guys can use them. They're free. doesn't cost anything. Um, that's, you know, my favorite source for this type of discussion. And so that's what I'm using. We're going over target share. You guys know what that is by now. Yards per route run. You guys know what that is too. It's exactly what it sounds like. Yards gained on average per route. Then true catch percentage. It's the catch rate of targets that are deemed catchable. Separation is the average yards of separation. Contested catch percentage. All this stuff is exactly what it seems like, right? Percentage of contested balls caught. And then the last thing I'm going to throw in here now, because receiver is a very, um, it's a much healthier, I guess I would say, position compared to running back. Running back, they fizzle out a lot quicker. Receivers, they don't. So I, I think it's very important to look at how many great seasons they have left. So this is a stat I'm basically just, it's subjective to me. Um, I'm going to be objective about it, but I, I think I use those words correctly. But you know what I'm saying? I came up with this. Uh, it's called Great Seasons Left, and it's my personal approximation of how many possible good seasons before a significant drop-off remain in said wide receiver's future based off how they are used and how their body will age, right? So guys that rely on their speed, I'm going to assume like if we have two 25-year-olds, right, one wins by contested balls and is like a bigger guy and then the other guy is an athletic freak and that's how he wins i'm gonna take the guy who's not the athletic freak to have the longer career in terms of really good seasons because the athletics diminish a lot a lot quicker than you know somebody who's a technician who knows how to box people out uses body to win balls stuff like that that's part of the reason why jimmy graham is still in the league you know he's one of the worst athletes on the field and He's still, you know, helps teams because of his contested catch ability, how he's able to box people out, use his body correctly, get good positioning. You know, he's a smart route runner. So those things are things I'll consider as well, not just age, but they kind of combine with age. Now, other things, overall talent, that's what the numbers are for. The situation, you know, the surrounding talent for the receiver, mainly the quarterback and the coach. Also, do they have help around them? Or are they going to be double teamed all the time? And in, for receivers, this is very important, just like it was for running backs, their contract or their free agency status. Because future team changes obviously alter someone's fantasy outlook. And then defense, the exact opposite of how it worked for running back. When we had a good defense, that was good for a running back, right? It allowed them to get more touches. For receivers, it's the exact opposite. You want your receiver to have a bad defense behind him because that forces the offense into catch-up mode where they throw the ball more and they chase points more and receivers get garbage time as well. So that's the best type of situation for a receiver. And with that said, we can get started at wide receiver one. I have Tyreek Hill. He's 26.9, so just about 27. And if you want to move him down because of the, the age, I understand. But I think he's got four really good seasons left in him. And in the best offense and everything, he's going to be great. I'll, I'm going to go over a couple of metrics here and there, any metrics that I deem um, super important, but I am going to put out a article version of this on the website that'll have all the metrics, the same metrics for every single player. So you can look at it if you want, reference it whenever you want, bookmark it, whatever. Um, and I've done that with running back and quarterback. If you haven't noticed, or if I haven't talked about it, those articles are also up with the same stats that I talk about. 
Um, so I'm not going to go through all five stats for every receiver. That would take forever. So I'll just point things out that are super, um, you know, notable. And one thing that's really notable for Tyreek Hill is his yards per route, 2.26. That's very, very good. Anything above two in yards per route is exceptional. So 2.26, that's really good. And when we look at him, he's a dominant force at the wide receiver position. He's tied to the NFL's best quarterback, the NFL's best offense, and the NFL's best offensive mind. Let's not overthink it. We... Like I said, probably have three to four, I would lean more four, really good years of possible top five production from Tyreek Hill. He does a lot with a little, so even when he has a few targets, a lot of guys look at Tyreek Hill and they think he's an inconsistent guy. No, he's not. He still produces, even with few targets. Remember, for those that have stuck with me for you know almost a year now, I had a Consistency Kings podcast episode come out before the season started for us to analyze who the most consistent players in fantasy were that weren't losing you games ever. And the number one most consistent wide receiver by my you know evaluation last year was Tyreek Hill. He was the only receiver that did not have a single digit game in PPR. And he only had like one game under, I think it was like 12 points or something ridiculous even when he's getting some games that are only four targets, five targets. So he's super consistent. He's going to help you. He has the boom potential to just absolutely win you a week. So I love Tyreek Hill. He's my wide receiver one. Now, wide receiver two, A.J. Brown. He's 23.6. And his yards per route run are second best in the league. Remember, Tyreek Hill, 2.26. A.J. Brown, 2.76. Second highest mark in the league. I think he's got about seven good seasons left because he's going to be starting the next season at about 24. So, you know, I think he's going to last to about 31. He's a guy who's very physical, takes a lot of hits, very strong guy. He might not last to 32, 33. Um, and even if he does, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think it would be very good seasons. At that point, I think he would see a drop off. So I'm saying A.J. Brown's got about seven seasons left. And he hasn't had his dominant season yet. So this might seem high. You might say, eh, A.J. Brown at two. He hasn't really had a top five season. But don't be dismayed. A.J. Brown has not even turned 24. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's a big play threat. He has amazing strength, yak ability. He's produced well, very well. And you do this because you have to, or you know this because you have to consider how low his targets have been. He has averaged 6.4 targets per game in the NFL. Most wide receivers of his talent level in the NFL are averaging 8 to 11 targets. AJ Brown is producing near these guys at 6.4 targets. The only thing missing from AJ Brown is an explosion in volume. And the volume, my friend, will come. Trust me, it will come. Also, Corey Davis is a free agent, and, you know, with the Titans situation right now, it's not looking like they're going to be able to re-sign Corey Davis. So, A.J. Brown could easily be pulling in 8 to 11 targets a game next year, and I'm telling you right now, if A.J. Brown pulls in 100 and, let's just say, 45, if he pulls in 145 targets, right, that's about 9 per game, if I do the math real quick in my head, about... um, if he's pulling nine targets a game, he he could be the wide receiver one. Usually the wide receiver one on a season has like 165 targets or something ridiculous, but A.J. Brown is so efficient and such a monster that if he gets 
anywhere close to that, he could be the wide receiver one, and it's going to happen eventually. It does for the talented guys like A.J. Brown, and he is somebody who can be a possession receiver. So that's why I love A.J. Brown. He is my dynasty wide receiver two. He's super young. And then dynasty wide receiver three, even younger than A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, he has 2.65 yards per route run, so that's fifth best. I think he's got about eight seasons left. Justin Jefferson just turned 22. He's coming off a record-breaking rookie season. He doesn't have any guarantees at the quarterback position. He doesn't even have a great wide receiver on the other side of him because Adam Thielen, he might be gone. And even if he's not, how many good seasons does Thielen have? But despite this, despite the worry at the quarterback position, how much longer his cousin's going to be there, um despite the fact that he might be seeing double coverage. I'm not worried about him at all because he can handle number one corner cornerback coverage. He's a great route runner. He's slippery after the catch. And, you know, A.J. Brown last year, last year, let's think about A.J. Brown's rookie season. He was insane. He was insane. But I wanted to see it again before I bought in to A.J. Brown. I wanted to see the crazy efficiency again. I didn't believe he could do it again. And it wasn't a knock on A.J. Brown. It was just because of how good he was. I was like, man, he's a rookie. I'm sure, you know, the second year, defenses are going to have more tape. They're going to, you know, put heavier coverage on A.J. Brown. He's not going to be able to do as good. I was wrong. I don't want that to happen to me again with Justin Jefferson. You got to be fluid in fantasy. You got to accept when you're wrong. And you got to be able to move on and make adjustments. Justin Jefferson, I think, is somebody that's so good, they will surpass the second year slump right there. He, I don't think he's going to deal with that. I think he's going to be great next year. And he's probably going to get more volume than he did this year. So even if he sees dips in efficiency, which he might see some dips on like um, yards per reception, because that was really high, right? He might see some stuff like that go down a little bit. But with his target bump, he's going to be amazing again. And he's super young, a great route runner. I loved him coming out of college he's a beast. So I'm bought in. I'm bought into Justin Jefferson. He's my wide receiver three. Now, this is a guy at wide receiver four, everyone forgot about. It seems like it to me, at least. And you know, when I'm looking at my buy lows, this might be one of my options here. Because this guy, and I'm not telling you his name yet, because I want you to try and think, right? I'm going to give you some hints. I want you to see if you can guess it. This guy did not have an outstanding year this year. There was a lot of reasons for it. He has been jumped and surpassed and just kind of forgotten um, because DK Metcalf has gone crazy. Justin Jefferson and all the other rookie receivers have gone crazy. AJ Brown is going crazy. A lot of these young guys, Calvin Ridley went crazy. All these guys are going crazy that are young and kind of left this guy in the dust in terms of the perspective that people have on him. But I don't think that should be the case. All right. This guy is from my own division. All right, I'm helping you out here. He's from my own division. You might be thinking DJ Moore. Not yet, not DJ Moore. He's from my own team. Yes, that's right. Forgotten Godwin. Ooh, ooh, that sounds that sounds like a great article title, don't you think? Forgotten Godwin. Look out for that one. That's that's coming. That's coming. If if the fantasy community continues to sleep on Godwin in Dynasty like they are right now, that article's on its way. Um, but Chris Godwin, he's not even 25 yet. He will be 25 before the next season starts. But right now, he's not 25 years old, and he, I mean, he has been great. He has been great. Other than the Washington game, his hands have been amazing, some of the best hands in the NFL, and despite how mad I was with him for the Washington game, I'm sure he's going to bounce back. He's going to be fine. 
Uh, it was his first playoff game. Maybe he's just, you know, nervous, whatever the case may be. Maybe something happened with his finger that has not been disclosed to us. But Godwin, you got to love him. I mean, somehow people forgot about him. He's under 25, still super young, way younger than people think, right? He's younger than Calvin Ridley. I bet you most people don't even realize that. And Ridley is all of a sudden a top five dynasty wide receiver to people. Um, so he's younger than Ridley is, right? He was outside the top 100 wide receivers this year in target rate. Outside the top 100. That will change, I guarantee. Look, two things are going to happen. He's either signing with Sam, uh, with Tampa. If he signs with Tampa, hopefully that's the case. I think that's what Tampa is doing their best to you know, be able to do. Hopefully he gives us a hometown discount. But if he re-signs with Tampa and tries to make a run at the Super Bowl next year with Tom Brady, Evans, and everybody else, right? He is going to be the 1B wide receiver to Mike Evans at worst. But here's the thing. If Godwin resigns here, we're not going to have money for Antonio Brown. Gronk, who knows if he comes back. Even if he does, it's going to be at a limited capacity, right? And Godwin's been dealing with a broken finger this entire year. So you're telling me that Godwin returning to the Bucks' offense that's throwing above 600 pass attempts and is throwing, you know, just so much. And Tom Brady's been amazing. He has shown no sign of like aging in his arm, honestly. And I'm not saying this as a Bucks fan. I mean, it's it's true. I'm I'm pretty sure he leads the NFL in intended air yards as a 43-year-old quarterback. And so it just shows you, you know, he's got the arm still. So you're telling me Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are not both going to be way better next year when AB is probably gone and Gronk is either gone or not used in the passing game as much? Come on now. Come on now. Both of these guys are going to be steals in redraft. I already know it. I can feel it in my bones. And Chris Godwin is being slept on in Dynasty. He's like Dynasty wide receiver 9. I have him at 4, so I would go get him if you can. So with all that said, and also considering how talented he is, right? You could peep his con contested catch rate. His contested catch rate, ninth best in the league at 70%. That's with a broken finger. With a broken finger that he had surgery on in the middle of the season. Forgotten Godwin. Don't be like everyone else. Don't forget. Dynasty wide receiver 5, Devontae Adams. 28.1. That's his age. Um, he has the number one mark in yards per route. It's 2.97. Almost 3. That's insane. But we shouldn't be surprised. You know, he's like Aaron Rodgers' go-to. He's open all the time. He's a good route runner. He's He wins everything. Him and Rodgers have a unbeatable connection. Like, even if you play the perfect defense, they still might get a completion on you as a cornerback. So, Devontae Adams is insane. And I think he's got... Oh, by the way, for Godwin, I think he's got about seven seasons left. I think his like last few seasons will be like the last few seasons we've saw we've seen from Larry Fitzgerald. Not like this last one or two, but like when he was still good for fantasy, when he was like wide receiver 15-ish. So that's to finish off Godwin. And then Devontae Adams, I think he's got about three, six seasons left, right? He's going to be like almost 29, halfway to 29 when next season starts. I think he could be producing until 31, 32. So being top 10 in two of these wide receiver metrics. So the first one was first overall, I told you guys, yards per route. And then he's also ninth in separation at 2.13. Anything above two is outstanding in separation. He's at 2.13, ninth best. Think about how many receivers there are in the league, right? And, you know, when you're taking metrics like this, you're not disqualifying people that are only getting 50 targets. 
you're still counting them. So for a wide receiver to be top 10 in two of my five most important metrics when looking at a wide receiver is honestly insane. And I'm pretty sure Devontae Adams is the only receiver to have that accomplished uh, out of the people I've gone through so far. Because we're going, as you can see from the title, we're going to top 18 wide receivers because I'm going to do 36 total. So we're doing 18 this time and then 18 next time. Might have a little bit of movement. You know, if somebody that I didn't grade yet pops into my 18, I'll tell you. It's not a big deal. But these are my top 18 right now. And Devontae Adams is at five. His age is the only thing bringing him outside of, you know, the top spot. Adams would probably take a hit if a wide receiver is added to the offense because he wouldn't be the only person to throw to. But if you're in win now mode, oh, by the way, Jags, Jacksonville Jaguars, officially, we've had the reports, but they just officially hired Urban Meyer. That's awesome. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, baby, LaVisca Chenault, who we will be talking to or talking about today. And so, yeah, if you're in win now mode, go get Devontae Adams. Wide receiver six, DeAndre Hopkins. He is 28.6, so per, just a tiny bit older than Devontae Adams. And... He has, let's see, I would say about, yeah, I have him for three to four seasons left. He's not super crazy in any metric. He is at 10th overall in yards per route, which is good, 2.37. Hopkins, in my opinion, has been the best wide receiver in the the NFL for the last three years, okay? Devontae Adams this year is the only person that I think can give Hopkins a run for his money. And when I'm talking best wide receiver, I'm talking about everything, okay? Michael Thomas might have the best hands, but he's not the best wide receiver, okay? Hopkins, I believe, is, or if you want to say Devontae Adams, you could say that, but I think a big reason Devontae Adams has been so good is because of Aaron Rodgers and the chemistry that they have. Um, I think Hopkins would put up the exact same numbers that Devontae Adams has, if not better, if he was with Aaron Rodgers for the same amount of time Adams has been with Rodgers. But aside from that, we already know Hopkins is amazing. And whether you agree with me or not that he's the best receiver in the league doesn't really matter because you do agree that he's a top three receiver in the league or a top five receiver in the league. And he's in a situation very similar to Devontae, right? They're both pretty old now. They're older than I, I realized. And that's why they're this low for me. I mean, low is subjective, five and six, but some people think that's low. And Neither of them have much surrounding competition, right? Devontae Adams doesn't have any receivers competing against him. DeAndre Hopkins doesn't really have any now. Uh, Kirk hasn't really stepped up. So the only difference between Hopkins and Adams for me is the touchdowns. Adams with Rodgers has higher touchdown potential. That's the reason he's above Hopkins for me. So that's why, that's how I have it ranked. But both of them are elite. And if you're in win now mode and somebody looks at these guys as, you know, Eh, I don't know if they're going to be able to help me because I kind of got a young team. Let me see if I can get these vets off my team. Go get them. They will definitely help you win this year, this coming year, or the next year. So keep that in mind. Always you know, think of the state of your dynasty team, whether you're built for the future or built now because you always want to get value and you know, make sure your roster is on the same page with everyone else on the roster. You don't want to have like one win now or two win now guys and everybody else is young and developing because then all of a sudden, you know, those guys are getting wasted, right? So you want to be on the same page with everybody. And that brings us to wide receiver seven, Terry McLaurin. I got him higher than a lot of people do. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I have a YouTube video already on Terry McLaurin. He's 25.3. So, you know, pretty much just 25. And I think he's got about seven seasons left. I wouldn't be surprised. So see, that's me putting him into 32. 
being able to be a very good receiver without drop-off until he's 32 years old. Why? Because he's a route runner and he could be a possessing possession catch receiver he's a technician he doesn't win with great athleticism right and he's not taking crazy hits or anything like that so I was surprised to see that his separation wasn't higher his separation is 1.5 it's outside the top 50 but I'm not too worried about it because that's not how it appears on the field and also that guy sees a lot of double coverage so you know when separation is graded as yards away from the nearest defender well, if someone's guarded by one defender and one person's guarded by two defenders, you got to keep that in mind because it's going to be harder for the person with two defenders on them to have more separation when they're basically, you know, they have guys on both sides of them. So, or one over top or whatever the case may be. The man is always open and, you know, he had a breakout rookie campaign. This season that he just had was pretty good and he's he's still dealing with so many problems with the quarterbacks and whatnot, right? And this season, he also was the main worry of defensive coordinators after having a breakout rookie campaign, and he still put up a like eight ridiculous numbers, 87 receptions, 1,100 yards, 87 receptions, 1,100 yards, no sophomore slump for him either, right? Just like A.J. Brown, no sophomore slump. These are great indicators when you have somebody like A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin have a great rookie season, especially Terry McLaurin, who's on a horrible team. And then he's able to put up numbers again with a bad quarterback with no surrounding help where a defense can just focus on taking him out of the game and he's still putting up those numbers. Guys, Terry McLaurin is going to be a beast. Any upgrade to that Washington offense is an upgrade for Terry McLaurin. If they add a receiver, it's going to be easier for Terry McLaurin to work, right? There's no way that in one offseason or even probably two, they're going to put enough people in that offense where Terry McLaurin's target share is going to get hurt. I doubt that, all right? And his target rate wasn't even that great. It was 23%. 59th in the league so still he can even improve there and he as a player can only get better the offense can only get better and he has years ahead of him so Terry McLaurin for me is wide receiver seven you guys are probably wondering where's where's DK Metcalf this is the guy I was telling you guys about that's in my top 10 that I have way lower and I have a uh, a YouTube video out now on him and why he is lower so I'm gonna give you guys you know my quick two minute summary as I have been so far with all the receivers but I put up a 10-minute video on why DK Metcalf is way overrated and why if you have him as an owner, it would be the responsible thing to sell him right now. Um, And if you want to check that out, I highly encourage you to do so. I I would appreciate it as well. Drop a like, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. DK Metcalf, all right, let's get into him. He's 23.1, so basically he's 23 years old. I love DK Metcalf, don't get me wrong, all right? And I'm not even putting him down here because of his drop problem, which is a problem, but I'm sure he'll get over it all most receivers usually do usually do but his hype right now is insane he is a top three dynasty wide receiver for most people i gotta disagree when you look at the young guys we've already talked about their situation can really just stand to improve right aj brown his situation is not going to get worse right he's already not getting that many targets he's going to get he has to get a target bump eventually it's it can't get worse than it is for aj brown and he's been great right Terry McLaurin, situation can't get worse. The offense will get better. It'll be better for Terry McLaurin. Justin Jefferson, situation's not going to get worse. But when you look at DK Metcalf, I'm telling you the situation can and probably will get worse. All right? Because let's look at Seattle, right? Okay, I'm trying not to to completely ruin the YouTube video here. Um, I got to help myself out, you know, keep the content, um, whatever, like keep the content going. But 
and make you guys want to go see that content. That's basically what I'm trying to say. But DK Metcalf, 130 targets this year. I think that's probably near his ceiling. Let's look at Seattle. Seattle's not a team that passes the ball a lot, right? Seattle passed the ball way more this year than they usually do. Plus, Tyler Lockett, some of you guys might be thinking, ah, eh, he's 28, going on 29 next season. If he's out of there, DK Metcalf's going to be a bona fide wide receiver one, baby. Well, not to the tune of a top five receiver. He wasn't a top five receiver in fantasy this year, not by points per game or by overall finish, right? And that was with him getting 130 targets. Metcalf is not the type of person that's going to be getting 155 targets in a season, 160 targets in a season. He's not a possession guy like that. He's not going to be used like that, I don't think, ever. Plus, Seattle doesn't pass the ball enough in the first place for anyone to get that type of volume. So because of those things, you got to look at Metcalf and realize it's only going to go down from here, right? Maybe he can repeat, but even if he repeats, that's not enough to justify him being Dynasty Wide Receiver 3. He had 10 touchdowns this year, right? And I already told you, 130 targets. He had a bunch of yards and all that stuff. But targets could easily be worse. Russell Wilson threw the most targets, uh, mo- or not targets, touchdowns. Russell Wilson threw the most touchdowns this year than he has in his entire career since 2012. That's the beginning of his career. I'm just telling you when it started. Um, and he also threw the most pass attempts and had the most pass completions since his career in the NFL. All of those things, career highs. And you might be saying, Brandon, they have Lockett, they have DK. That's why it's going to continue. No, it's because the defense has been really bad, the worst defense they've had since Russ has been in the in the NFL. And their run game has been bad, worst run game they've had since Russ has been in the NFL. Both of those things can easily improve, even if they don't. Towards the end of the season this year, guess what? Seattle was committed to the run again. Russ was not throwing as much. His touchdown numbers dropped. His pass completions dropped. His pass attempts dropped. And guess what else dropped? DK Metcalf's fantasy points to the tune of 33%, just about. He went from 19.5 points per game to about 12.5. That is atrocious drop. So he's going to be a good receiver. Yes. And he's young. Yes. And he's got a lot going for him. Yes. But top three dynasty wide receiver, guys, if anyone thinks of him that way, you need to sell him. You need to sell him. I would give him up for Godwin. I'd give him up for Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown. And I think you could definitely get at least Godwin, at least Godwin. You could probably ask for Godwin plus something else. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Now, We're going to go to, let's see, we're doing 18. So yeah, we're going to hit the halfway point after wide receiver nine. That's Michael Thomas, 27.9. So he's going to be 28 next season, right? He's second in true catch rate in the NFL. I don't think that surprises anyone, but just listen to the number because that's pretty impressive. 97.6% true catch rate. Out of all the balls that are deemed catchable, he caught 97.6% of them. He got 90, basically if you round, 98 out of 100 that's insane. That is what I want to see from a wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, and I was wrong. Devontae Adams is not the only person with two top 10 metrics. Michael Thomas is the other. He's second right now in two catch rate, like I told you already. And he's also second in contested catch rate at 75%. He's catching three out of every four balls with somebody in his face. That's awesome. That is what I expect from an NFL wide receiver. But my expectations are always super obnoxious, super high. So don't, you know, don't worry about that. But I think he's got about four seasons left. Uh, DK, I think he's got about seven. I realize I didn't say that for him. Um, so quite a fall for the king, right? The king of the hill last year, Michael Thomas. For Dynasty, it was everyone's Dynasty wide receiver one. So what's up with the fall? For me, he's already got catching ability and target share in spades, right? 
He had a 28% target rate. That's awesome. What worries me is the quarterback situation. What What else worries me is his age. His attitude problems with the Saints here and there. You know, it might not be, might not seem like a big deal, but since we've seen that stuff with Odell, yeah, he's been injured too, but even when he was on the field, you know, there was just some problems, some things. I don't like having receivers, and this might just be a personal thing. Maybe if you don't agree, then don't worry about it, but I don't like having receivers or any position that rubs people the wrong way on their own team. No, thank you. I don't want that problem. So I've actually sold. Michael Thomas in one place that I had him and you know I'll see what I can do in the other the other's a keeper league though so it's just basically year to year because you only keep five players so not a big deal there but anyways Michael Thomas you know those are the things that worry me and I don't think Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback but if he is it's going to hurt Michael Thomas a little bit he was good with Tom uh Thomas was good with Taysom but not nearly as good with Breeze and he actually didn't have a touchdown until the playoffs this year which is insane um I actually didn't didn't you know, uh, fact check the announcer who said that during the game. So maybe that's not the case. But then when I thought back to it and all the teams that had Michael Thomas, he never gave me a great performance. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. And yeah, that's basically what it is for Thomas. It's the combination of age, attitude problems with the Saints, and the quarterback situation being in question. With that said, we'll be right back. What's up, divers? Do you enjoy a good workout like me? Do you grind in the gym trying to get built? If so, then you probably know working out is only half the battle with the other half being nutrition. Well, luckily, you can go to BuiltBar.com and get protein bars, 100% daily vitamin packs that mix into your water. I use that all the time. Tastes great. You can get caffeine and protein mixed into one as a pre-workout gel pack. And all of these things help you turn your hard work in the gym into visible results. I use these products myself and they are great. And I also have a promo code that helps both of us save 10% off with Deep Dive. That's Deep Dive to save 10% off at BuiltBar.com and on any of their products. And my favorite energy protein pack flavor, by the way, if you want to go that route, is the peanut butter honey. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here. That's right. Pause it right here and drop me a rating or review, and if you are feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. All right, let's keep this going. Stephon Diggs is my wide receiver 10, 26.9. Diggs is younger than Michael Thomas, right? But the way he is used and his reliance on speed makes me think that he won't be as effective at the same age. So that's why he's one spot lower than Michael Thomas, in case you are wondering, because yes, Diggs has been insane this season, and he's younger than Michael Thomas, so why would I have him lower? It's because Michael Thomas, to me, the way he wins is not with crazy separation. It's not, you know, we were going over it. It's the the contested catch rate. It's the true catch rate. That stuff is not going to go with age. Plus, most of his routes are very short routes that he dominates on. Those things are very easy to continue into an older career, right? A later career. Diggs, on the other hand, is a lot more deep stuff. It's going to open him up to the possibility of injury more and all of those things. So that's why I have Diggs a little bit lower. But I think Diggs has got about four seasons left. Michael Thomas has got about four seasons left. And the thing with Diggs, first off, like hats off to him, right? He did more than anyone could have ever expected in Buffalo, especially in the first year with no regular offseason and 
Josh Allen also improved a lot, so it's really just a combination of them both helping each other. So I love that, but there's not much to complain about, right? There's there's really not. He's in a great situation. He's got a quarterback that lets it rip. Also, I know I was talking about um, injury, and I stand by that, but he is in cold weather, which does seem to help faster guys stay healthier. And he also has a killer instinct. So I love me some Stefan Diggs. And if you want to move him higher, I have no qualms about it. Love Stefan Diggs. Then wide receiver 11, Calvin Ridley. He's 26.1. See, I told you, remember, Godwin is under 25. Let's see, I'll go back to him. Godwin is 20, oh, just under 25, 24.9. Calvin Ridley is 26.1. So when you look at him as a receiver, exceptional route runner, but he does need to work on his hands, just like uh, DK Metcalf. He was third in drops this year in the NFL. And honestly, by my standards of drops, he might have been first. Like him or DK were probably first by my standard because, you know, they only counted like, I think, eight drops for him on the season. Um, when I was looking at it on Player Profiler, for me, I saw him drop one or two balls every single game for the Falcons. So, I mean, to me, I, I think his drop problems isn't even worse than they want to admit. But because my standards, like I said, I have high standards, guys. But he could have had a better year for sure if those were all caught. If Matt Ryan didn't miss him so many times, if you guys remember, rewind the clock a little bit, a lot actually to the Green Bay game, I think it was like week five or six, and we're talking a huge difference here with Matt Ryan missing Ridley. Matt Ryan missed him on like three, four passes that could have easily, easily totaled 150 yards and two touchdowns, and Ridley on that day did absolutely nothing. All that said, Ridley isn't some young stud, right? He's going to be 27 before next season is over. That's the biggest issue for me. That's why he's at 11. Um, he's great. He is great, but he's basically the same age as he's almost the same age as Stefan Diggs. They're closer or within a year of each other. So, and Diggs, you guys know how long he's been in the league. Calvin Ridley came into the league really late, really old. So that's a uh, part of the reason that he's this low. Then Juju Smith Schuster is my wide receiver at 12. I, by the way, I think Ridley's got about five seasons left. Juju Smith Schuster, I think he's got about seven seasons left. He is 24, and is he the most athletic? No. Is he the most elusive? No. Is he a good route runner with extremely reliable hands? Yes. Yes. True catch rate of a 95.1%. Is he a guy that will have a better situation next year? Probably. If Pittsburgh gets a new quarterback, or if he signs somewhere else in free agency. And if we're being real, that's probably what's going to happen, right? If you consider Pittsburgh's cap space and how many free agents they have, they're probably not re-signing Juju, especially because they already have Deontay, they have Claypool, they like James Washington. So it wouldn't make sense for them to pay up for Juju. So Juju's probably going somewhere else. Now let's think about that. If a team is paying top dollar for a wide receiver, they're going to throw a lot of targets to that wide receiver. Juju's going to get paid that that money. He is. He's going to get top dollar. So you got to expect for Juju, wherever he goes, to get a lot of work. And I don't think Juju's the type of guy that will go to Chicago or, you know, just some trash organization that's not good for receivers, right? I'm sure he's going to go somewhere that is going to be very good for his value. So especially because you guys like think about him. He is like he markets himself ridiculous, you know, TikTok 
and just all of these things that he does. He is very good at marketing his brand, building his own brand, going to a, a team that's bad and a team that has like questions at quarterback. That's not going to be a good situation for Juju. I don't think Juju would do that to himself, even if they paid the most money. So wherever Juju goes, expect it to be a place with a, a solid quarterback and plenty of targets to give to him. So Juju, I love him moving forward. He's also very young. And uh, he's somebody I think that will last for a while with the way that he the way that he uh, performs well, the way that he wins. CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver 13, 21.8. He's by far the youngest person we've gone over. The next youngest was Jeff, Justin Jefferson at 22. If you want to move Lamb up because of his age, I am 100% fine with it. Listen to this. I think CeeDee Lamb has about nine seasons left. That's the highest number you've heard right? I think he's got about nine seasons left. And let me be clear, the only reason, and this is why I'm fine with you moving him up, the only reason he's not higher for me is because of next year. That's it. Because next year, we have a question, right? Is Dak back? Is Dak back for the Dak attack? We don't know. We don't know if he is. And if he is, then awesome. But also, he's in a a super crowded wide receiver room. Now, he will absolutely be a bona fide wide receiver one after that situation works out because Michael Gallup has one year left on his rookie deal. Amari Cooper is way too expensive for a team that has barely any salary flexibility and has a quarterback that they have not signed yet and needs a new deal. So this wide receiver room after next year should be down to two people and Lamb is going to be one of them. So it should be Lamb and Cooper or Lamb and Gallup, but there's no way after this next season is over, that they keep all three receivers. No way I would bet so much on it. So I love CeeDee Lamb. You just have to be willing to, you know, take a hit on the first, on next year. And he'll still be good. You know, he was good with the weapons um, on that team this year. So he had no problem pulling in a good amount of work and good fantasy points, but he's not going to be great you know, next year. So if you're willing to take that hit, it's absolutely worth taking him where his draft price is because he will be a top 12 wide receiver for a very long time after that. Keenan Allen comes in at 14 for me, 28.7. I think he's got about three seasons left. He is probably going to be a top five wide receiver next year. He's probably going to be a top five wide receiver the next year. So he's worth quite a bit. That's why he's this high for me. But I think he's probably going to fizzle out rather quickly in dynasty leagues. He gets a huge target share from Justin Herbert. That shouldn't change, especially because Hunter Henry's a free agent. I actually had Keenan Allen a bit higher than this, but his past injury history scares me a bit too, so I moved him down, especially as he ages. It might get worse. Even though it's like all been random stuff, like trust me, I, I know I'm not just like, oh, Keenan Allen's been injured. He's going to get injured again. I know it's been like super fluky, super random stuff, but you know, it's something in the back of my head and my subconscious that kind of eats at me a little bit. I don't like it. So, you know, that's part of the reason he he dropped to 14 for me. But if you're in win now mode, just like Devontae Adams, just like DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen might be the easiest one to get because he's not named those two people. And he's going to be just as good for the next two years. Maybe not Devontae Adams level if they don't add anyone. But if Devontae Adams, you know, all of a sudden has a, a good wide receiver across from him, then Keenan Allen could easily be just as good as those guys. He was a top five wide receiver from the moment um actually not patting myself on the back just because I, I can't remember exactly what week but the week that I had that buy uh buy low sell high mid-season um podcast episode 
I said Keenan was on there too. Keenan and Montgomery were two of my buys. And from that point on, he was a top five receiver. So I think that was what, like week nine, week 10. So he's a beast, right? He's, there were some games, he literally not joking, got 50% of the targets. I remember telling you guys about it on recaps. Um, So he's, he's a monster. I love Keenan Allen. Then we got T Higgins at wide receiver 15. He's 22. And he doesn't have great metrics. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You guys know T. Higgins is my guy, right? So because his metrics aren't great, I'm going to point them out to you because I don't want you guys to think I'm trying to hide nothing, all right? 70th in target rate, 21.9. 1.86 yards per route. That's pretty good. 63rd. Um, 74.4 because that's pretty close to 2, and remember, 2 is really good. 74.4% true catch rate, not great. 101. 1.15 separation, not great. 99th. 35.7% contested, 74th. I think he's got about eight seasons left. So like I said, not great metrics. But, you know, what I do see on the field is something that's going to trump all of those. He has an innate ability to adjust to and to win a football. As he fills out his form, as he fills out his, his body, you know, develops his muscular form more he will 100% match the Brandon Marshall comparison that I made for him before the draft. He's already looking like that, but once he, you know, fills out his body and just gets bigger, puts on some mass, he could definitely be exactly like Brandon Marshall. This is the AJ Green replacement. Everyone knows it. Expect that kind of production sooner than later. The Bengals defense is so far away from being good, so this team is going to have to pass the ball 600 plus passes. Uh, 600 plus times every season for probably the next three seasons at least so i love this guy you guys know i'm a big t higgins truther you know once he just adds some muscle he's gonna be a problem to deal with and he was already pretty good this year so he might not be the best separator he might not be the most refined route runner that can always change though he can improve that um he might not be you know the fastest guy but he's gonna be a guy you know just think about brandon marshall that, that's why he's my comp. Brandon Marshall never beat people with speed, with speed. He never juked people out of their shoes. He was big. He won the ball. He pushed the defender on the floor. He trucked another person, stiff-armed another person, and just got extra yardage from being strong and built and just being a dude. And that's what Z. Higgins is and will be even better when he puts on some more mass, which I'm sure will happen because Brandon Marshall is pretty skinny too, I think, when he came to the league. DJ Moore is my wide receiver, 16. This is one I really, really struggle with because it's all dependent on his usage, right? He's going to be in Carolina unless he gets traded, which, I mean, it's hard to project him getting traded. But um, unless he does, like, he's going to be in Carolina with Robbie Anderson, who's for some reason been getting just as much work as him. And it's it's a tough situation because DJ Moore is definitely better than Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore is a first-round receiver. He's got the pedigree. He's got the talent. All of these things right? I think he's got about eight seasons left in him. By the way, for T. Higgins, I think he's got about eight seasons left as well. He he was also super frustrating, DJ Moore, for fantasy uh, because of his big playability, but this is something that you can look to as a positive, right? He was very hard to predict because, you know, you would want to sit him when they're playing, you know, a team like Chicago. That was really, really tough for receivers, but instead for Chicago, he takes a out route to the sideline that's supposed to be five yards and get the first down because it's third and three and he takes it down the sideline for a 60 yard touchdown he did stuff like that on tough matchups like routinely and then for easy matchups he wouldn't show up so he was super frustrating very inconsistent but it's not because of him it was just the lack of steady targets that should change i hope that changes 
and Carolina might have a rookie quarterback after the draft that they would sit behind Teddy Bridgewater. So then, you know, Bridgewater would be the bridge quarterback. That's pretty funny because it works with his name. Um, but he would be the bridge quarterback for 2021 season. And then in 2022, a rookie could take over. So there's a lot of things that can change for DJ Moore. And like I said, he's got the first round pedigree. He's got the talent. We've seen it. He's very young. So you got to love him. And if you want to move him higher, I completely uh, like I could completely see it. if it wasn't for Robbie Anderson breaking out DJ Moore might be like right next to Chris Godwin he was next to Chris Godwin for me this season coming into the year and then all of a sudden Robbie Anderson was like their wide receiver one for half the season and that completely ruined that take but yeah DJ Moore I love him then we got two more guys and then that's going to wrap up this podcast we got Mike Evans 27.4 guys Mike Evans, first off, in redraft, I know we're talking dynasty right now, but just think about this real quick. In redraft, he's going to be a steal. He had 109 targets this year. That is really bad for Mike Evans. 109 targets. He was the wide receiver 11. He was a top 12 wide receiver with 109 targets. Big Mike, dude, the first receiver in the NFL in NFL history, to post seven consecutive thousand-yard seasons to start a career. He's also still really young, by the way, thinking about Dynasty, right? I think he's got about four seasons left. He's still really young. He's only 27, right? And it's hard for people to realize that because he's been in the league for so long. People don't realize how long he's been in the league. But, I mean, he's been amazing. And much like Chris Godwin, but even more so, he stands to see an increase in targets. Like I said, only 109. AB's going to be gone next year, or Chris Godwin's going to be gone next year. Gronk might be gone, or in a limited capacity, be back. So no matter what, I don't see a, a situation with, assuming he plays the whole season, Evans doesn't get 130 targets. That's 21 more than he got this season, and he was a wide receiver one. Yeah, exactly. Dude is a monster. And I'm glad he's on my team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, is what I'm talking about, not fantasy. Um, and also, his chemistry with Brady, guys, it really only got going midseason. That's it. It only got going midseason. So, like, if you if you take his numbers from the second half of the season and extrapolate that, put that over a 16-game pace, he's like wide receiver 7 or something. So, Mike Evans has been amazing. And he will continue to do so because he's only going to get more targets moving forward. And to wrap it up, you guys, I told him we were, I told you guys we were talking about him, so you should know who it is. LaVisca Chanel. LaVisca Chanel, baby. This is definitely going to be one of my buy lows. I already have two. I just started my YouTube, right? I only got like six YouTube videos up. Two of them are about LaVisca Chanel. And why? Because, man, you guys got to get him. You got to get him. He's going to be one of my guys. I can feel it. Um, unless everyone just comes to my side over the offseason, which would be super annoying. I hate when that happens uh, because then like you don't even get to revel in your call because everyone ended up agreeing right before. That's what happened with Gibson this season um, because I loved him. And then once everyone got cut, everyone's like, oh, Gibson's great. But anyways, um, LaVisca Chanel. So he leads the rookie wide receiver class in true catch rate. He leads the rookie wide receiver class in contested catch rate. He has nasty hands. Go check out the highlight highlight video I put up on YouTube is only two minutes, right? I, I just took like the best clips I could find of him. And he's in an offense that passes like crazy. He's going to be more of a volume guy than deep threat DJ. All right, deep threat DJ, Shark, I'm talking, 
is not somebody that's getting 140 targets. LaVisca Chenault could easily become that type of guy. He also is very gadgety. He takes carries and other things like that. He played quarterback before, so he gets, you know, they might want to use him for some sneaky pass attempts as well. There's He's going to get these little sprinkling fantasy points on top of being a great receiver that could be a possession receiver, and he's going to have a new quarterback in tow. Now we know for sure Urban Meyer is going to be there, and so that's exciting. You know, we, at least they didn't get some boring defensive guy who doesn't know anything about offense, right? We know that they've got a nice offensive mind there now. LaVisca could reasonably be the wide receiver one for a high volume offense, and that could lead him to a top 12 finish. So he has that ceiling. He also has a really nice floor. You guys know I love me some LaVisca. His fantasy expert consensus ranking in Dynasty right now is outside of the top 30 wide receivers. He's my wide receiver 18. All right, go get you some LaVisca while you can. That wraps up the podcast. We only did the top 18. I have uh, the other guys that will be getting into next uh, next time I talk to you guys, which should be a Tuesday. I'll go over and finish the wide receivers, and I'll probably do either some Dynasty buy lows, sell highs on next Friday's podcast, or the Dynasty tight ends, and then do that after. But you guys know what's coming, and then eventually I will hit that Dynasty startup mock draft. Thank you guys for everyone who's reached out to me. A lot of you guys have been interacting with me, you know, on all types of different platforms. I appreciate it. Um, You know, reach out to me with any questions you got. If you disagree with something, let me know about it. I don't care. We'll have a nice conversation. That's what fantasy's for, right? So have a good one, guys. If you're alive in the playoffs uh, with your NFL team, I hope they win unless you're a Saints fan. If you're a Saints fan, I hope you are crying Sunday night. And with that said, I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Peace. We'll